Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I'm your host, Paul Hudrick, and we have a lot to get to today. We are coming off a huge Sixers win against Chicago Bulls. Uh, you know, a, a team that came into this game 6-1, and one, Sixers playing pretty good basketball of their own at uh at, at, at five and two coming in and just a great all-around team effort from the Sixers they pull it out 103 to 98 uh you know so many different guys to get to as I said it's just such a great team performance I want to get to all of that break it all down but off the top I just want to touch on um you know one of the big reasons the Sixers were <laughs> reasons excuse me the Sixers we're shorthanded coming into this one, and what made this win so impressive, as we know, the three guys not in the lineup tonight, Ben Simmons for personal reasons, Tobias Harris for health and safety protocols, and Danny Green for hamstring tight tightness. Uh, we'll start with Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, the latest report that Daryl Morey did approach Ben Simmons and did, you know, and, and I guess spoke to him about his, his readiness of when he'll feel ready to play, and Ben Simmons just starkly said, that he's not there yet, that he is not ready to play. Some reporting that from uh, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN that Ben Simmons has elected to not use the resources that the Sixers have provided, but instead is using and has been using um, the resources that the Players Association provides. To me, this, does, this doesn't move the needle for me either way, if I'm being completely honest to me. This says... That there is a trust issue on both sides, which I think there's been a trust issue on both sides for months now, and um, I just don't I don't think there's any reason to be alarmed by this. I don't think it moves the needle as far as it pushes a trade any 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 you know further to happening. I think it is what it is. Uh, it, it's a it's a developing situation and one that we'll keep monitoring. But I don't want to spend too much time on it on this podcast coming off such a great win, and I, I, it's just not something I think. That needs to be dwelled on, at least not tonight, and at least not right now. Tobias Harris, a really unfortunate situation. You know, it, it's confirmed that, you, you, well, I mean, you know, Doc Rivers all but confirmed tonight that he has tested positive for COVID. He is experiencing symptoms. Doc did not seem overly optimistic on the idea of Tobias recovering uh, quickly and, and, and returning to the lineup. The, the deal is, you know, Tobias is fully vaccinated. He has told us that in the past. The deal is for a player for a positive test, you either need to be 10 days out, um, return two positive tests, and uh, be asymptomatic. So right now, Tobias, you know, tested negative reportedly as of today, according to Keith Pompey, the Inquirer, and is symptomatic, as Doc Rivers revealed to us pregame, that he he's not feeling well, and um, it's hitting him. So that's... Not ideal, and they're going to be without Tobias, it feels like, for this little stretch. They just wrap up a, a four-game homestand, which they swept, which is huge, because now they're have now they on the road. Uh, it, it's a tough you know, a tough couple games here, and they're not going to have Tobias Harris, and that, that's rough. Tobias has been pretty darn good this season. He, he's, he's filled a big role, especially with the uncertainties in the lineup that they've already encountered. He's been pretty, pretty rock solid for them. And it appears that Danny Green is is not going to be around. You know, did missed 
Wednesday night's game, I, I strongly doubt he'd be available. Thursday night, the guy's 34 years old, dealing with a hamstring injury. Not something you really want to mess with. So I would expect Danny to not be in the lineup. Again, at least not in Detroit. And it 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 doesn't really look good to me for him to be available Saturday night in Chicago. But we'll see. So getting that out of the way, we can start breaking down this win, which just... I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal win against the Bulls team that's been playing great basketball. As as I mentioned, six and one coming in top tops in the Eastern Conference, and the Sixers really controlled this game for the most part. It was really you know the Bulls went on a run in in the third quarter going into the fourth. Demar Rosen was phenomenal for them. It just it seemed like he couldn't miss, which I think Sixers fans are accustomed to when it comes to. DeMar Rosen, some of the big games he's had over the years, especially as a member of the Raptors against the Sixers, especially when the Sixers were not, you know, in, in going through the process years and in, in a little bit leaner times, DeMar Rosen just destroyed them. So not an uncommon scene at the Wells Fargo Center, DeMar Rosen doing great things. And, you know, he was great, but even greater were the Sixers, you know, as a team, just it goes down the line. I, I'm going to start with Seth Curry, who was, for the second game in a row, the shot making to close out the game, he was sensational. And a lot's been made, and rightfully so, of the Sixers' struggles late in games. It goes back seasons, but really highlighted by that Hawks series last year. And then that Brooklyn game, you know, that home opener this season, which was really ugly, where they just... Had a big lead, again, control of that game the whole time, and then just blew it in the last few minutes. And the last two games, Seth Curry hasn't allowed that to happen. He's buried some big-time shots, and he's created them on his own or kind of used Joel Embiid's gravity to create it on his own. And it's, you know, Joel Embiid didn't have his best shooting, I'm going to get to more into Joel in a minute, but with that, Seth was great. 22 points tonight. Shooting, I think, you know, over 60% from the field, over 50% from three to start the season. Just incredible shot making um, by Seth Curry. And they've needed it. They they really have. And I just saw a stat, Sixer Stats uh, Twitter account put it out. The Sixers are 14-1 and one in the 15 games that Seth Curry has scored at least 20 points while with the team. That's nuts. 14-1 and one when he scores at least 20 points. And I think the moral of that story is he's got to shoot more. He's got to shoot at every opportunity. When he is aggressive, they win games. Uh, as the six, as Seth Curry goes, this this offense seems to go with or without Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, and 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 again, as I said, they've needed it the last two nights. Just incredible shot making and just and just such clutch shot making down the stretch from Seth Curry. And he, he's I'm running out of superlatives. Um, he, he's been great. He, he's been a big part of the reason why this is a six and two basketball team. And yeah, I, I don't know how sustainable shooting over 60% and 50% from three is for Seth, um, on the qual on the quantity he does it. And as a perimeter player, but if you're a Sixers fan, just enjoy it while it's here. And you know, it, it's, it's been really impressive. Uh, mo- moving on to Joel Embiid, not the greatest shooting night tonight from Joel, uh, he winds up going, you know, um, six of 18 from the field, one of five from three, five of nine from the line, which is a little disappointing, but, 
uh, offensively, seven assists. And I thought he really did well, again, using his gravity, welcoming the, those double teams, passing out of them. Guys hit some big shots. I thought he was aggressive down the stretch, even, even though he struggled overall in the game, had finished with 18 points. I thought he drew a couple, you know, he drew a couple fouls on on in Nikola Vucevic late in the game with aggressive plays. Um, and to me, the the bigger story with him was defensively, he was a monster. Especially that third quarter, there was a possession where he traps DeRozan on one play, the ball swings, then he traps uh, Zach Levine on the other side, and. The, the the Bulls wind up not scoring. It was just so impressive. Then a couple of possessions later, Vucevic tries to take him one-on-one. He he makes Vucevic dribble basically to the baseline, almost into the corner, forces a jump ball. And then the play to end the game, uh, you know, in the waning seconds, DeMar Rosen with the Sixers still up four, tries to dunk on Embiid. They call it a foul on the floor. It was all ball. A great challenge by Doc Rivers, which he won. And I know Doc was very excited about that. That he won that challenge for a change and just an outstanding defensive play by Joel Embiid to go up, challenge that dunk and get it. His defense so far, it is defensive player of the year caliber. It, it really has been. Uh, the, the Offensively, he struggled. There, there's no two ways about it. Uh, you know, you worry about his shot a little bit. He didn't want to use it as, a, as an excuse, but he kind of did, saying that the ball, the Wilson balls are... Affecting him, clearly not affecting Seth Curry so far, but clearly, um, but uh, you know, it is affecting some guys, and Joel Embiid is one of them. But you know, just his defense has been so good that it's worth noting, and that's it, it, again, Seth Curry's shot making has been a big part of why this team is six and two. Joel Embiid's defense is an enormous part of why this team is six and two, and why this team has played such great team defense, and. You know, when Joel is playing that well on the back end, it allows a guy like Matisse Thibel to really flourish. And Matisse, I can't say enough, man. He was so dominant um, defensively defending Zach Levine. But uh, I'm going to get to that on the other side. We're going to take a quick break just to uh, so you hear a little ad break here. And, yeah, I'm going to talk more on Matisse Thibel, his defensive prowess in this one. George Niang, another solid performance from him. Uh, get more into that after the break. Uh, I'll talk to you in one minute. And we're back. And as I was saying before the break, Matisse Thibel, man, I just, I can't get over how good he, how good he's been historically against Zach Levine. They both went to high school in the Washington State area. And I know that was a guy that Matisse looked up to um, in high school, but Man, in his career, he has just been so ridiculously good against Levine. It, it made, uh, you know, it was a pretty obvious choice for Doc to start him tonight with, you know, down to down Tobias, down Danny Green, and of course still down Ben Simmons. It, it made the most sense to go with Matisse Thibel and to have him go against Levine. And Levine got his because Levine gets his. Levine's a great offensive basketball player, and you saw that at times that he just made a couple shot tough shots, but... Overall, I mean, 27 points for Levine, but those might have been the toughest 27 points uh, Zach Levine has scored in his career. He had five turnovers, 11 of 24 from the field, two of seven from three, and was a minus 15. So when you look at the job Thibel did, just remarkable. It's and again, especially late in the game, I thought him and Joel Embiid really shut the door and 
The Sixers' offense wasn't great down the short down the stretch outside of Seth Curry. It really wasn't. The ball really, really the whole fourth quarter I thought was was really poor offensively from the Sixers. But what kept them in it just tremendous defense from Thibel and Bead and, and the way that they were able to get stops when they needed to, and then did just enough offensively to close it out. Just a great team win, and it, it's to a point where, you know. When you talk about Matisse Thibault, we played 38 minutes tonight, and he's he's played more minutes than, than he has in, in recent years with Ben Simmons not playing. Does Matisse Thibault start getting some mentions for kind of some defensive uh, of the year, some some love in that category? Because he's been that good. His defle- I mean, again, three steals, two blocks tonight. Those deflection numbers are outrageous so far this season. And you know what? You got to mention it too. Two of three from three tonight. That's big. If he can hit threes at just a respectable rate, it's going to help him so much. He made a nice cut as well down the stretch. Joel Embiid found him for a late-game dunk with so much attention drawn to the other guys. It's so important that Matisse finds those creases and, and, and gets to those areas and gets those easy buckets. And it's it's growing. It's evolving from Matisse on that end. I know it's a little slow coming and a little slow for people that maybe some people would, would care for. But as long as he is providing the defense at the rate he is, and you're getting the shot making from Seth Curry and, you know, Joel Embiid get, gets back to himself. Tyrese Maxey had a couple of nice drives down the stretch. As long as you're getting offense from other places, you can live with, you know, the quote-unquote deficiencies from Thibault on that end, as long as he's playing excellent defense, which he has absolutely done through eight games. And then last but not least, I just want to touch on George Niang a little bit. 18 points tonight, 6 of 12, 4 of 8 from 3, um, 3 more rebounds, and assist to steal. I, I, another guy where I'm running out of ways to describe how good he's been. It's And what I was really intrigued by, and something that I, I'm sure is on Doc Rivers' radar, and it's something that he's brought up in the past wanting to do more of, George Niang and Joel Embiid. That I really like those two together. I thought in the third quarter there were two plays where Joel got double teamed. He passed it to George. George nailed two threes. And in big spots where the Bulls were making runs and it kind of helped, you know, ready steady the ship a little bit and get the Sixers offense back in a flow. George had a couple more drives tonight where, you know, finishing through contact. And it's, I, when they made that signing, I thought it was a good one. I thought, okay, here's a guy who can stretch the floor smart player, does some good things, you know, not a great defender, might hurt him a little bit on that end, but clearly an upgrade over what Mike Scott brought last year. And I thought it was, but this looks like a masterstroke as of now, because not only is Niang hitting shots, again, four of eight from three again tonight, but the drives to the rim, the smart passes, and defensively, guys, he's been been rock solid defensively. I've been really pleasantly surprised at how good George Niang has been defensively because they picked on him a little bit the last two games I think it's been clear um Portland tried to get him in some unfavorable matchups and he, he really stood up to the challenge uh you know tonight Chicago tried to get him on you know Levine or, or DeRozan at times and again he was stout um he did it was really funny because he was asked about his vantage point on the DeRozan block and it was actually DeRozan <laughs> Uh, it was actually George who was guarding DeRozan and blew by him. So that was pretty uh, entertaining. And I got to say, that's the other thing. 
George, he is just such a self-aware dude. Like, he just gets it. He gets his role. He understands his limitations. And just such... What an excellent ad. What a great addition and piece he has been for this team so far. Curious to see how long it lasts. Curious to see how he holds up in some more difficult matchups. I know uh, the Brooklyn game was not one of his better games in a tougher matchup. So we'll see as we go on. You know, they, they get Chicago again on the road here in a few days. So we'll see. Uh, Doc seemed to indicate that he's not going to start him because he really likes him coming off the bench. But I really like that chemistry with him and Joel, man. I, I think there's something there. I, I think that's something that I would maybe want to explore a little bit more going forward. We'll see. Uh, other than that, it's just such a good team win. Uh, guys had moments. Like Tyrese Maxey wasn't great tonight. The numbers were, were fine. 14.6 assists, no turnovers, which is huge. And he just had a couple timely drives. Doc actually said after the game that he thought Tyrese had a little bit more, a little, could have exploited the creases a little bit more, maybe drove to the basket a little bit more. I'd have to go back and watch the games to tell you whether or not I agreed with that. Furkan Korkmaz, solid tonight. Five of nine, uh, five rebounds, a steal, a block. I thought he was solid defensively. It got DeRozan early, but, I mean, no one was stopping DeRozan tonight. DeRozan wound up with, what, 37, I think? Uh, yeah, 37 tonight, 13 to 22. He was, and he got to the line a lot, 11 to 12. He was great. Um, the rest of the Bulls, not so much. I mean, they th- this Bulls team is very, very top-heavy. That's the one thing that really stood out to me, uh, w- watching them and watching Levine and, and, and DeRozan and what they do on the offensive end of the floor and the shot-making, the elite shot-making they possess. But really, that's, that team, I think they're going to struggle with their depth a- as the season wears on. Shake Milton, solid night from him, seven points, a couple assists, did have two turnovers. I thought that was one stretch – you know, Drummond also had three turnovers tonight. Uh, there was a stretch in the third quarter where I thought the bench really did struggle to move the basketball. The ball really did stick. Something to keep an eye on going forward. Chicago really ramped up their defense. Alex Caruso was really good for them tonight. I, I think you could argue that he was actually like their third best player after DeRozan and, and Levine. The defensive energy he provided And that allowed, you know, when they got stops on that end, that allowed them to get out on the break on the other end. And I think that's what allowed them to really make their run. So, you know, not not a perfect performance by any stretch. But overall, um, just, again, I'll keep saying it, a great team win, just like they had a great team win the other night against Portland. It's it's fun. I I have to admit, this is a fun team to watch right now. The way they move the ball, the way they play kind of for each other the way they play strong team defense like i mean tonight joel and bead go six of 18 and and they and they played great and they won the game when joel and bead whenever he starts getting it together uh, offensively it kind of makes you wonder how good this team can be um and it makes you wonder about the other uh, about you know the the enormous australian elephant in the room and Ben Simmons, and at what point, I mean, clearly we are not there yet, but at what point does Daryl Morey look at this thing, if they're going to continue to play well, and they're going to continue to win games without Ben Simmons, at what point does Daryl Morey kind of say, man, I I might have to cash in. If, if Ben Simmons is going to refuse to play for this team, at what point do you just look to move him to get another player that can help them because the other pieces are so damn good and playing so well. 
Don't want to get too far ahead of myself on that one. It is eight games in, but they are six and two. And the last last three wins really have been very impressive. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know, D- D- Detroit, it's a game they should win. Tough test again. Um, Chicago, they got Milwaukee coming up on the schedule. Uh, the Knicks again at home. So that should be an interesting. So just to lay it out. Detroit Thursday night, Chicago Saturday night, both on the road. They come back home for three games um, against the Knicks, which they're probably going to be looking for a little payback there. Back-to-back against Milwaukee, that's tough. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, That's a TNT national TV game, too, and a back-to-back. Going to be a tough one. It really is. Thursday night, Toronto, and then they embark on that six-game road trip, which is going to be brutal. Um, And not only is it a six-game road trip, but they hit the West Coast play some tough teams. So that's going to tell us probably an awful lot about where this basketball team is, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself there, but just to reiterate phenomenal team win bulls Sixers beat the bulls. Um, Seth Curry sensational down the stretch. Joel Embiid doing great things defensively. And you know what? Another guy we got to give credit to doc rivers. He is keeping this ship afloat. He really is. They were the one seed last year for a reason. I don't think it's a coincidence with Doc Rivers taking over, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they're playing well again, playing through adversity. A lot of tests um, and a lot of things that Doc's going to have to overcome down the line, but right now he's doing a pretty damn good job uh, coaching this team. That's going to do it for this edition of the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Please rate, subscribe, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and please go to libertyballers.com. Check out some of the fantastic content we have for you tonight and throughout this season. I am Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you guys next time.